If you have not already grabbed your Bible, uh, we're in Zephaniah. Yes, that minor prophet that, um, I don't know what number, uh, what page number it is on, on your Bible, um, but there you go. Uh, well, hey, let me introduce myself. Lance has already uh, given me kind of an introduction, but just I'm the family pastor here um, at The Grove. It truly is an honor to, uh, just to join uh, with uh, the, the team uh, to talk about Advent. Advent uh, is definitely one of my favorite seasons. Um, I literally start talking about it and bringing it up in August, uh, because I just I, I just love the season. Uh, Advent landed in uh, really in my home, really my heart, uh, really about 13 years ago, uh, and just been just been uh, just enjoying the season of of waiting uh, as a church as we wait um, our King to get excited about Christmas Eve when we finally light that that Christ candle um, as we journey together to behold uh, this wondrous mystery uh, that has been that has been our theme, and so. Uh, so th- this wonder, this this mystery, uh, this wondrous mystery, as we talked about from like week one, Josue brought up this verse from Colossians one. It says, uh, "Which is Christ in you, this hope, this hope of glory." And so I'm gonna o- open up with a question, and the question is this: Is church what has captured your wonder? What has captured your wonder, and what is preventing you from z- seeing Jesus clearly? What has captured your, 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 uh, your wonder or your awe? Is it material over the Messiah? Is it your job over Jesus? Is it escape over, a, over encountering the Emmanuel? Because church, what we behold is what we become. We're all becoming and growing in something. That's why in Romans 12, Paul talks about, hey, don't be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And so the invitation from like right out of the gate is this, is for us to behold Jesus, to behold this wondrous mystery, to look to him for the renewal of our minds. And so the title of this morning, uh, which I totally stole from Joy to the World, when it start, starts breaking in and talks about this, the wonders of his love, the wonders of his love. And I'm going to repeat a phrase often as we go through Zephaniah 3 that I just could not escape from. And the, and the main idea, the main thought is this, is that God invites us to delight in him, to delight in him as he delights in us. God invites us to delight in him as he delights in us. And I know we're jumping like right into the middle of, of a book, which isn't my favorite, but just to give a little bit of, of a context, we've already been through Habakkuk as a church. And so we've kind of entered back in that season for this morning for a little bit. But the difference between Zephaniah and Habakkuk is Zephaniah breaks in with the song. Whereas Habakkuk, if you all remember, the whole theme was faith amidst frustration. It's like, okay, when's the frustration going to end? So Zephaniah is going to break in and give us some hope. We have justice and love because you can't have one without the other. Zephaniah comes in when the people were on uh, the brink of going into exile. Babylon is literally right around the corner. They're about to be done with, in a sense. They're about to be exiled. They're about to be uh, forced out of their home. And then Zephaniah comes in with these words. Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 14. It says, Sing aloud, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O Israel. Rejoice and exult, not with just a little bit of your heart, but with all your heart, O daughter of Jerusalem. In the midst of exile, in the midst of, there's not a lot, a lot of hope around the corner, corner. Zephaniah says, no, sing. Church, here's a call 
to sing. And some of y'all may be thinking, yeah, yeah, Aaron, I, 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 that may be singing for some other people, but I'm not kind of like the singing type. And like, uh, God bless you. I, 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 uh, I, I may, not, may not be you. And here, listen, I'm in the same boat. I'm not, not my favorite to be, to be the singing guy. Uh, but it, that's why you don't find me on stage singing. So don't ever worry, Carissa. I will never be coming to you asking to sing on stage. That's not me. But here's an invitation from Zephaniah that in the midst of, 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 of not a lot of hope, there's this invitation to sing. And church, do we get excited about the opportunity to lift our voices to our king? Because I think if we look at our week, we lift our voices in other areas, maybe at our sports activities or our sports events. But I wonder if we share that same excitement on Sunday morning when we get to sing praises to our king. My freshman year of college, I decided to go uh, to the promised land of College Station. And some of y'all are going to whoop. There you are. Uh, and uh, I did not go to AM, just to be clear. But I was invited my freshman year to what is called a first yell. I had no idea what a first yell was, but I heard it was a pep rally. So I go to, the, go to this, this pep rally. I've been a part of pep rallies. I went to Katy High School, so we know how to have some fun, some competition. I show up at this, this first yell, which they say pep rally. It was more like a cult, to be honest. Uh, I know some of y'all AM fans are going to saw me right now, and that, that's okay. But I, I come into this event, and y'all, I've never been more uncomfortable in my life. They have all the motions down. They are not just like, they call it a yell. It they truly is a yell. There, there's, there's motions that people are doing. And I had a buddy of mine who I went to youth group with, uh, did life with. And that brother, when he got into that arena, like there was a whole other side of him that came out. I mean, totally swaying, getting into the, into the motions uh, of a pep rally, more like a worship fest for Aggie football. Just, just, just a little bit. Uh, we just got to watch our hearts, y'all. We just got to watch it because we, we get that excited about around some Aggie football. But yet our posture in here is, uh, I'm not saying we share that same excitement. I'm not saying this should be a pep rally. But I am inviting us to, to ask the question is, what do we get excited about? Because I talked to my buddy afterwards and I was like, brother, I've never seen you move like that before. And I've seen you in youth group just going to do one of these things right here. Like, church, we got something excited to talk about. We got something excited uh, to sing about. That's why Zephaniah is coming in. He's saying, now is the time to sing. Now is the time. Because the problem is when our hearts are unable to rejoice fully in the Lord because we have drifted into complacency, thus preventing the heart to express itself Fully. So church, the invitation is to reject complacency and, and to, to accept and embrace a heart for the Lord. To behold the wondrous mystery is our theme. This isn't just something to be plastered on a screen, but it's intended to be in our hearts, to be in all of Jesus in this mystery, which is Christ in you again, the hope of glory. Church, have we lost the wonder of this? Have we talked about love where it just becomes so redundant and mundane? But that God so loved the world that he gave, that while we were still sinners, he pursued. And I want to give us briefly just three reasons to sing that I needed to hear myself in preparation. The first reason is this, is to endure grief or the longing ache within. I know what Advent brings. I know there's an ache and there's an agony that we join in with the Old Testament saints. And I don't know what we come in with this morning, but we share in that ache and that agony. As we go into Christmas, we may have some people around the table that are no longer there, and we may be grieving. But church, love has come. Love has broken through, and God has given us a song 
that helps the wound, helps soothe the wound and the ache. And you know, church, you know in an instrument when it's, when it's out of tune. We, we, we know there's a tightening and, and there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a loosening um, that, that happens. And God's inviting us to tune our hearts in, into him. But remember, church, where the audience is at. They're going into exile. They're going into exile. Zephaniah commands the people to sing through the night, knowing light is coming. In the upper room, when Jesus was with his disciples, literally he washed their feet. They celebrate the Lord's Supper. And as he's going into Gethsemane, as he's going into the night, as he's about to be betrayed, as he's about to be alone, the Bible says in Matthew 26, around verse 30, is that, they, that the disciples, they sung a hymn, and they went into the night. A song gives us hope in the dark. Second reason to sing is to invite our hearts to be in tune with the heart of the Father. That's why we sing songs uh, that, that, that invite us to, to sing, like, come thou fount of every blessing. Tune, what's it say? Tune my heart to sing thy grace. Streams of mercy never ceasing call for loudest praise. Church, there's something about heeding the call to sing using our mouths, even though our hearts may not all be there. Y'all with me on that? Sometimes there's, so when I come in on a Sunday morning, I know there's been a full week, and, and there's times where I need to preach to my heart, and songs help with that. Sometimes I don't have words to, to, to preach to myself, and songs have a way of saying, wake up, O heart. As Ephesians 5 would say, to wake up, to, to, to be whole. First reason to sing is to endure grief. Second reason is to invite our hearts to be in tune. And the third reason is that singing isn't just for you, but it's for us in the corporate gathering of the saints. You know, when we took, um, I, I almost said a break, we, we took a break from gathering physically together during, uh, to during, during COVID, um, and we had to do what we had to do. Uh, and when we got back together uh, as, as a church, do you remember the one thing that people talked about? As great as the worship is, it wasn't the worship. As great as the preaching is, it, was, it wasn't the preaching. It was the singing. That during, when we, when we went without that, we finally came together. It was like this unanimous, man, it's just really good to hear others, people, other people's voices. Because singing helps drown out the lies of the voice of the enemy with the voice of Emmanuel, of his truth. And when we sing together, it's a reminder that we belong to Jesus the great conductor who leads and guides us in song and invites us to lift up our voices to make music together for the, for the fame and the name of Jesus. Y'all seen symphonies, I assume? Y'all seen some bands? Maybe we're, maybe we're even in band yourself. I was in band in junior high, played the alto saxophone. Yes, I did. Thought it would attract the ladies. It did not attract <laughs> the ladies whatsoever. Maybe even repelled them. But I remember my conductor that went up there who would lead us We'd all be like goofy, you know, junior high kids are, you give, and I don't even, you give them instruments, but as soon as my conductor would come up and she would hit that stand, it was like, uh-oh, game on, straighten up, let's make sure our, our instruments are in tune, make sure they're, they're, they're ready to go. And if you notice here about a conductor, I mean, when they start conducting, I mean, they bring things out of people that, that maybe they didn't even know that were there when you're playing music together. There's times where the saxes need to, the alto saxes need to, to, to start echoing and bursting forth, and we got to go move over here, and she would move over here, and she'd get so passionate about bringing out another, another noise to complement the other noise. There was, there, was a, there was an increase in volume, and there was a decrease in volume for the benefit of the whole in church, y'all. That is, that's the picture of the church. 
is we follow the great conductor who's, been, who's given us gifts to, to, to sing a song and to play a melody in a lost and dying world, in a world that is cold and critical. And the gospel of love comes in to melt the, the heart of the critic so that they can sing for Jesus. Verse 15 says this. If you are with me, Zephaniah continues on. He says, The Lord has taken away the judgments against you. He has cleared away your enemies. Why should we sing? What is the reason why of our songs? Judgment has been taken away. And also, the King of Israel, the Lord, He is in your midst. You shall never again fear evil. And on that day it shall be said to Jerusalem, keywords, fear not, O Zion. Let not your hands grow weak. This is what we sing about. On that day, a hundred years later from the time of Zephaniah, these words would be echoed in Bethlehem. The same words, fear not. Lance preached on this last week. Fear not. Behold, I bring you good news of great, mega, full joy that will be for all the people. Not just the people we prefer. Not just the people that we like. Not just the people that look like us. No, this joy is for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And as soon as that announcement is made, do you all remember the angels come down from the heavenly land and they sing a song, glory to God in the highest. God is about the singing of his people. And if we're not going to sing, the angelic realm, angelic realm is already getting after it. Will we join them in lifting high the name and fame of Jesus? That key verse right there, y'all. Fear not. I don't know what fear we're wrestling with. I don't know what we're coming in with, this angst and anxiety. But the words is, fear not, O Zion. Let not your hands grow weak. Which is an interesting phrase, in my opinion. I had to do some study on this. Like, what, what does it mean that for our hands not to grow weak? Or another phrase would say, do not let your hands hang limp. Which is almost unfamiliar in our culture that we talk about our hands, but in Hebrew culture, uh, the hand symbolized, uh, symbolized strength and symbolized power. And so for someone that wasn't using their hands uh, for the phrase to grow weak was literally, literally to hang limp. I look like my child right now after I tell him something he shouldn't be doing, but that's, the, that's it. Like it's Eeyore in Winnie the Pooh. It's this, this, this kind of this overly discouraged, overly in despair, in defeat. And the root of it is shame. And Zephaniah is saying, now's not the time. So for y'all, for those coming in, for those struggling with fear, those that are, that are weak or our hands are weak or we're dealing with fear or shame or we're beating ourselves up, know this, that Jesus was beat up for us to experience victory. Judgment is gone, y'all. Forgiveness has come complete and full. So no longer limp hands we have lifted hands high to celebrate the king, the victorious one, the one who defeated sin and evil. And therefore, we don't have to be afraid of it. So church, let me ask, ask a question. Is church, what sin in your past, what sin in your past or present do you need to see in light of the cross? What's been haunting you maybe this Christmas season? What shame has crept in? And will you receive the forgiveness of Jesus? When I think about love, I can't help but think about Brendan Manning. I read a book a few years ago called uh, The Ragamuffin Gospel. And he says, he says this. It should be on the screen behind me. It says, when we wallow in guilt, remorse, 
and shame over real or imagined sins of the past. We are disdaining God's gift of grace. Healthy guilt acknowledges the wrong done, feels remorse, but then is free to embrace the forgiveness that has been offered. So hear me, church. We're not damaged goods. We're not just a worm in the dirt. No, condemnation is gone. To continue to make a living in shame is to ignore the victory accomplished on our behalf. This gift of grace, y'all, the grave is empty. Sin has been dealt with. Death has been laid to death. Love has broken in and love has a name. Look no further than the God-man who literally wrapped himself in swaddling cloth so that he could wrap us with his righteousness and his comfort and his love. That's what we celebrate. This is, the, this is the, the wondrous mystery that we get excited about and we get loud about, that, that we are invited to delight in God. God invites us to delight in Him as He delights in us. Secondly, this, the, the, the first one is that, that, we're, that this love sings. Second is that this love, it heals. This love heals. This past week, I, um, I was kind of bruising around, and, and Google puts out uh, a year-end video every, every year about the most uh, searched uh, phrase or word uh, of the year. And this, where, as I was preparing, I was like, man, the timing of this I don't think could have been better on my end as I'm preparing. It's like I didn't even plan for this, but the Lord dropped it in my lap. The most popular phrase that came out in Google in 2021 was the phrase, how do I heal? Or how to heal. And in less than a second, because I had to try it out, in less than a second, when you type in that phrase and hit enter, you get 4,480,000 results. You got people who are lost, people who are broken, people like us, and they're going to Google on figuring out how to heal. You know, my heart broke over that. And then you got... 4,480,000 results that you got to sift through. Like, that's, that's overwhelming to me. And y'all, Zephaniah gives us one verse. I offer you one verse of healing. Not 4 million results. I got one result for you, and it's verse 17. The Lord your God is in your midst. And who is he? He's a mighty one. He's a mighty one who will save, and he will rejoice over you with gladness. And he will quiet you by his love. And he will exult over you, not just with a little bit of singing, but loud singing. And if you notice the transition, first it was, it was the king of Israel. Now it's the Lord your God. Because God wants to be known. He wants to relate to us. He wants a relationship with us. He's our ascended king, but he's our available king. And he's our warrior He's a warrior. I, man, just a brave heart in me. And William Wallace just coming out. He is the better and greater William Wallace. He's our warrior. He fights for us. And so church, we reject self-sufficiency to receive the sufficiency of the Savior. But y'all, the way we access this sufficiency is we admit our need. And y'all, that's hard. To admit, to actually humble ourselves to say, you know what? I need something outside. Of me. I need a source outside of me to save me from myself. That's what makes Jesus the mighty one. And Peter himself even struggled with this. It's not a coincidence. This is now the second time I'm, re I'm referring to the upper room. Because in John 13, right there from the get-go, it says that Jesus was going to love his disciples till the end. If you want a definition of love, y'all, that's it. A love that, that pursues us 
and it is for us till the very end. And there in the disciples, as Jesus begins to wash his disciples' feet. I don't know if you ever had your feet washed. It's a humbling experience. I was in, 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 India, in, in India, as we talked about, talking about what we give towards, and we're hiking up this mountain, and y'all, we're hiking in boots, and we get to the top of that mountain, and there's this lady up there who's washing our feet, not just our feet, but our boots. And I couldn't take it, y'all. I was like, no, 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 you can't, you can't do this. You, you know we just tread through? Do you, you know, like, the animals that tread up that same trail? Do you know what you're doing? And she knew exactly what she was doing. She was humbling she was humbling me. That's what she was doing. The Lord was humbling me. And Peter, in the same way, when Jesus began to wash his feet, y'all remember in John 13, Peter's reaction? No, 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 Jesus. No, no, no. You, 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 can't, you can't do this. You can't wash my feet. You're the Lord. And Jesus says to Peter, if you do not allow me to wash your feet, you will have nothing to do with me. What's Peter do? Give me a bath, Jesus. I'll take it all. I'll go in the deep end because the thought of not being with you, I can't live without. But for a moment, Peter, who struggled, I think, with, with unworthiness from Luke 5, from his call, which we are unworthy in the side of, of the side of Jesus, absolutely. But when we receive Jesus and we believe in him and trust in him, he puts a worth on us. He wraps us in his worth. That's why we can't live in shame. We, we are to live in our identity and worth that the king points and pours over us. And Jesus, I mean, sorry, Peter, in that moment, like, that was a missed moment. But for us, I, I was like, man, I can identify with that so much. Because we hear delight in God, and we're like, yeah, 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 Aaron, I got that. Yeah, yeah, delight in God, love God. But for God to delight in us, that's a different ballgame, y'all. Because there's nothing that you can do to earn it. There's nothing that you could do to perform to get it. The Bible says that he rejoices over us. And not, we're not the only ones singing that, that God sings over us. He quiets us. And he bursts over song. But listen, if we receive this washing, if we receive this, this cleansing, if we receive this love of, of, love of God, it will, it, will heart, it, will, sorry, it will melt the heart, that orphan heart that, that thinks that we have to fight to get it. But it will melt that heart to where we can actually relate with God. Because if we don't let that love of God in, we'll continue to operate in the jungle of uncertainty, in, in the, of, of maybe how in our past, of how, we've had, how we had to survive in our home due to trauma or brokenness or, or whatever it may be. But now that we've been saved and delivered out of that, we're on, on sure ground and we're not in a perfect state, but we're in a more healthier state, we cannot rely on the same survival tools as we do today. Are y'all with me on this? Are y'all tracking with me? Because the orphan will want to get back to and want to survive in the jungle. And that's why all throughout Scripture, God is saying, hey, 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 come out of hiding. Come out of hiding. You're, you're safe. You're safe with me. So I don't know your story. I don't know your background. But hear this. Our Father's trustworthy. He's true. He's right. He will never fail us. And if we don't settle into that reality, we'll live our lives pushing him away and pushing those closest to us away as well. And we'll live like this with walls. And Jesus says, no, 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 I, I come in. Not, I, I, I've come in to woo you, really to climb over that wall this morning for us to hear, I love you, for you, I've been given, and you're, you can find your worth in me. Because love, church, love cannot flourish if it is hemmed in by doubt and fear. Love cannot flourish if it is hemmed in by doubt and fear. That's why First John says there is no fear in love. But what does perfect love do? 
It drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. And the one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love. How? Why? How do we know what love is? Because we were first loved by Jesus. So let me ask you a question, church. We talked about this in neighbor groups, I don't know, a few years ago, maybe a year ago. The question is this. It's if you were to draw how God's face is towards you. If you were to draw his face, what would it be like? Would it be sad? Would it be disappointed? Would it be angry? Maybe happy? And whatever it is, maybe we'd remember this verse, that he delights in us, he, he sings over us, that God is in our midst, the mighty one, the God most high, made himself most low for us to come out of hiding, to find our safety and security in him. He sings loudly. Do you not hear it? Do you not hear him singing loudly? If you don't, look to the word. Look from cover to cover. Look at, the, look at the manger. Look at the constant pursuit towards sinners. Let us join with the shepherds and the wise men to behold the baby in the manger. If you don't hear him singing this morning, look to Calvary. Look to the cry. Look to the cry that it, that it is finished. It is done. And let us look to a future hope when Jesus will make all things right. Listen, church. God doesn't just put up with us. He delights in us. No matter what your parents told you, no matter what with voices that happened in your home, God doesn't just put up with us. He delights over us, rejoices over us. And this is where our restless heart can finally be at rest. And if you're a parent in the house, you know how this is. If you've ever had a newborn, you know how this is. I mean, we were in it last night, 5 o'clock in the morning. If you heard a baby crying, it was mine in Longmeadow Farms. Just a wailing just to go in. And what do I do? I go, I go into the room and I try to console her, right? And she's gotten to, to an age where she just, she just fights it. It's like constant tension, isn't it? Parenting, it's constant like, man, can you ever just say yes? Just <laughs> obey. It's constant, even when they're young. It's like, it's just a constant squirm, a constant fight. I'm, and I'm trying to soothe her. And she ain't fighting it. Y'all, that's the orphan. Like that, 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 is, that is, I don't want your comfort. Your comfort isn't enough. I'm going to figure it out on my own. But yet the father comes in, and I'm coming in. And y'all know when you try to put, a, put a, to put a baby to sleep, you'll do anything. I ain't the singing type, but I'm singing that night. <laughs> Jesus loves me on repeat. Because there's something about a song, again, that heals and, and, settles, our, and settles our bodies to rest. So if you know, if you come to my house around, I don't know, when we put the kids down, we got music going because they're going to get the word y'all during the day and they're going to get the word singing over them during the night. We're going to get them in it, get them in it somehow. These lullabies, because there's something about a song that stills the soul. There's something about the embrace of a father. If we lean into it, that provides a rest in the midst of a lot of restlessness. And y'all, this is a weird transition, but y'all, I, I couldn't help but think, so preparing about just... The, the, the amount of sh stress and busyness that the holidays bring. And I literally thought this morning, I had it added in because I was like, Lord, I think this is you. But I just got this picture of, of, of when Moses was um, taking the people out of Egypt. And he's got a million people with him. I mean, he's got all these people. He's got families. He's got, he's got men. He's got women. He's got children. God tells him to go uh, tell Pharaoh, hey, let my people go. Pharaoh says no. Moses is like, cool. Plagues come. God delivers uh, the people, and literally, as, as Moses has been obedient, what's in front of him? This massive amount of sea. And if you were a, a Jewish person during that time, according to his, like the history books, you didn't care for the sea, because the sea 
resembled chaos. It, it, it represented unrest. And there Moses has been obedient to the point, you know in that moment, he's like, okay, there's this massive amount of water that is before me. And it says in Exodus chapter 14, verse 13, and Moses said to the people, here it is again, fear not, stand firm and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. And here it is, verse 14. The Lord, he's our warrior, he will fight for you. You have only to be silent and still. Place yourself in Moses' situation. I will. I don't want to be silent and still in that moment. I want to give that, get that rod that he gave me and do something with it. You know what I'm saying? I want to take matters into my own hands. There's an obstacle before me that I, I, I cannot get around. And yet the command was, hey, I'm going to fight for you. I need you to be silent, and I need you to be still. Church, some of the things that we're talking about, like living in the jungle and surviving and, 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 and actually remaining in a secure place, some of us may not be able to hear that because we haven't spent the time to be still and silent. Y'all with me? There's, this, there's a stillness and a silence that God invites us into so that we can know what's going on underneath the surface. And God invited his people to be silent and still. So church, I know, and we always talk about this during Advent, about slowing down, and things just crank up. But I challenge us this week, would we take a moment from the stress and the busyness of the season to be silent and still? Because in that moment when we are silent and we are still, we can join with Israel in walking through that Red Sea of Redemption, allowing the walls to, to protect us from being drowned out by lies and darkness. Notice, church, that God doesn't take away the Red Sea. He doesn't just dry it up. He totally could have. But no, he splits it so that the people would have to walk through it. So I don't know what we're dealing with. I don't know what fear we're wrestling with. But continue to walk through church. Continue to rest in the security that God has in himself and he makes himself available as we journey together protected by the walls of the water because newness church it's on the other side and as we move with them in the unknowns of life our comfort is in jesus whose arms the red sea was split jesus splits his arms wide on that cross for all to come to find healing and cleansing and rest for the soul that red sea was split but yet red blood was split when Jesus is hanging on Calvary for you and for me, on that rugged tree, so no matter what's underneath your Christmas tree, the greatest gift this morning and forever more will be not just a present, but the presence of Jesus, split wide from east to west, as far as our sins will throw them, which will never touch, forever removed. For you have died, church, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And when we rest in that space and in that place, the king of the universe, y'all, the king of the universe, hear me now, the king of the universe rejoices over you and accepts you. Let that sink in. Therefore, we no longer have to look for acceptance or attention anywhere else. If we truly rest in this, this, this frees us to admit wrong, to take risks, to seek counsel, to accept constructive criticism, no, we don't have to wallow in guilt and shame. We can quickly repent and offer that broken moment to the Lord. Our worth, church, our worth and value is not in what we do, but it's what Christ has already done. Our worth, church, is not in what we do, but in what Christ has already done. So no matter how dirty our hearts, 
Jesus is in the business of renewal and restoration. If y'all know a part of my family, what we've been through the past couple of months, we've been having a lot of construction done in our home. Uh, on the, the weekend of the women's retreat, uh, my wife went off on retreat, which is great and good. I forgot to go take a break, and I had the kids. Uh, and I was underneath my sink looking for something, and I noticed that there was a leak. My garbage disposal had been leaking for I don't know how long. But it was bad, y'all. So I call a plumber out, gets that fixed, and he goes, hey, man, you probably should call somebody else. I was like, no, no, man, I, I got it. Like, I, got, I, got, I don't know anything about construction, but I'm going to figure it out on YouTube Academy and figure it out. We'll figure this thing out. He's like, no, man, the baseboards, they're spongy. Like, it's, it's probably gotten back beneath in the walls. I was like, long story short, I call a guy. His name is Caleb, which, of course, his name is Caleb. He's all tatted up. Uh, man, it just has a story of his own, just a big man. And he, he came in, and he just started ripping things out. And y'all, when they started ripping out all the cabinets and all the things that were there preventing us from seeing what was back behind it, mold had begun to grow for however long, I don't know. It began to, it, it, and it wasn't just like a little spot, y'all. It was like, it began to fester. And apparently when water hits sheetrock, it just absorbs. And then it crawls up the wall. And thankfully, thankfully, I humbled myself, called in some help because they were cut it out and they was able to get it out. But I looked at Caleb and I said, brother, you do beautiful work, man. And if you ever want to make it awkward with me, between a dude and another dude, just throw up the word beautiful. <laughs> and he looked at me and he was like, man, I don't know what he's talking about. I was like, man, you got some tattoos on you, man. Let me hear your story. He began sharing me a story, how he came from a foster home, had been adopted, heard about the love of Jesus, had been uh, walking in that love of Jesus for, for years. And I said, brother, man, what you do, you do gospel work. Man, you come in and you pursue the dirtiest and grossest of things, things that I'm not even like, willing to touch myself. And you come in in, 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 in an area that is dark <clears throat> and wet and, and gross, and you literally clean that out, rip it out, and you make things new. I said, brother, that's what Jesus does for us. Man, he pursues us. He knows the mess that you came in with this morning. He knows the mess of your past, and yet he still wrapped himself in flesh to wrap you with his righteousness and with his comfort. Church, this love sings. Y'all, this love, it heals if you let it in. And lastly, this love, it gathers. It gathers us close. Verse 18 would say, I, I will gather those of you who mourn for the festival so that you will no longer suffer reproach. Behold, at that time, I will deal with all your oppressors. I will save the lame, and I will gather the outcast. And I will change their shame. Hear it, y'all. I will change their shame into praise and renown in all the earth. At that time, this time, I will bring you in, when I will gather you together, for I will make you renowned and praised among all the peoples of the earth when I restore your fortunes before your eyes says the Lord. The people are about to go into exile. And God says, hey, I'm going to gather them. I'm going to gather the outcasts. I'm going to gather the lame. I'm going to replace their shame with, with praise. And so for some of us going into this Christmas week, we may be going into some exile. You're thinking, Aaron, I don't plan on moving. What are you talking about? But there are exiling moments that we experience. There's moments where we feel out of place. There's moments where we don't feel welcome. And it may be amongst your own family. And Zephaniah comes in and says, in the midst of those exiling moments, when we feel out of place, this Christmas season, we know that Jesus came and he knows what dysfunction is. 
He knows what chaos is. He absorbed it, absorbed it and he, he brought victory and he invites us into a new table. So despite the table that you may come from, that you may be sitting at this week, he invites us into a new table. That's why you see Jesus, what's he do a lot? He's reclining at table. And one day he's going to come back and he'll bring us all back to that table to celebrate what he has done and what he will do. He is our warrior who's well acquainted with disappointment and dysfunction. And he offers us to dine with him. From the very beginning, God has gone on record in moving closer and closer to his people. Closer into a tabernacle, into a box. And now God puts on flesh and he dwells among us. He dwells among us. The spirit is put now in us. You see the progression. He's gone closer and closer. And one day we will see his face. And he will look back at us with infinite love and shower us with delight. So church, if, if you are in Jesus and you have a relationship with him, no matter what you're going through, you have been gathered and you belong. This is why we call Sunday morning the gathering, because it's God's gathered people gathering together to behold this mystery. This mystery of the opportunity to delight in God as he delights in us. To delight in God as he delights in us. This love sings, y'all. This love heals. And this love, it gathers and gathers us close. Let me pray. This band comes up and lead us in song. Lord Jesus, we're grateful for your coming. God, thank you that you give us hope. God, that you give us peace. God, that you give us joy. And now that we finally lit that last candle, we get to celebrate your love that the king of the universe, God most high, made himself most low to shower us with delight, God, and to, to shower us with worth. God, I pray that we wouldn't try to find our worth in what we do, but we'd rest in the worth that is already accomplished, that you've already done. I don't know what we're grieving this morning. I don't know what we're struggling with, but God, there's hope because you came. Church, let me read this over us as we close. What shall we say to these things? Out of all the things that we talked about, if God is for us, who can be against us? What shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who has loved us. For I am sure that neither nor life, nor angels, or rulers, or things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, or depth, all the words, Jesus, nor nothing else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in you, Christ Jesus, our Lord. So Lord God, we rest in that love that came from a distance. Our King, our warrior, to save us, redeem us, place us on solid ground. Let's live from that place. In your name I pray. Amen.